Our next guest has as close a uh, an eye on the Pac-12 as anyone can have. He is Roxy Bernstein of ESPN and the Pac-12 Network. Roxy's got the call of Oregon State Washington Thursday on ESPN2 alongside Bill Walton. Uh, good luck to Roxy there. He'll also have the call Saturday when the Beavers visit Washington State on the Palouse. Roxy, thanks for taking the time this evening. How are you? Please pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's the mental, uh, spiritual, emotional preparation like for calling a game next to Bill Walton? <laughs> it's it's certainly an experience. It, it, at first off, it's a fun experience. I love working with Bill. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and I get to do probably 15 games a year with Bill, and he he really is a treasure. And sure, it's it can be a little frustrating at times and a little wild at times, but it's fun at the end of the day, and I enjoy being around him. And he he, well, he makes the place wherever we're at, no matter what game we're doing, that's the place to be. And there's nowhere else we'd rather be. And it, it my preparation's a little bit different when I work with Bill, but still at the end of the day, it is a true pleasure to work with him. Ever get tips from Dave Pash, or is it one of those things you just got to figure it out for yourself? <laughs> oh, no, Dave, I mean, there's a lot of things you have to figure out for yourself. But Dave and I do talk. We, we talk frequently, actually. <laughs> we, we trade notes. How can we jab Bill? How can we get the upper hand with him? <laughs> So it's uh, we we are definitely uh, in, in a small union that it gets to work 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 with Bill. Hey, play by play next to Bill Walton is definitely a team sport. There's no doubt about that. Roxy Bernstein joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Roxy Bernstein. Roxy, I want to get into the Pac-12 standings and what have you, but. Let's begin with the topic that's most prevalent in college basketball at large, and that's this FBI investigation, the Yahoo Sports report recently, the ESPN report into Sean Miller in Arizona. As you've been monitoring all these stories that have been coming out and seeing Sean Miller absent from his program the last six days or so, uh, I know Arizona's Board of Regents has a meeting scheduled for tomorrow afternoon. I mean, what do you make of all this? Is this the harsh reality that college athletics has been needing to face, or was this even necessary ground for the FBI to investigate? I mean, what are your thoughts? First off, it's just wild. It's crazy what's happening, and it's unfortunate in a lot of ways. In fact, I think in just about every way, to be honest with you. Um, but it is the situation, and I know the reports and accusations uh, towards Sean Miller, and I go by the theory. You're innocent until proven guilty, what our country was based upon, our legal system, and I'm going under that, guys, that you're innocent until proven guilty. Now, we're getting one side of the story. These are accusations. It's a report, and until there is true evidence that comes directly from either the FBI and the government or the NCAA, that's how I approach it. And I, I think it's unfair just to label Sean Miller and just take these accusations as the gospel, that this is the situation. And he, he's a, allowed every right to defend himself. Now, he hasn't said anything yet, and the university has been pretty mum. But I, I think it was interesting how the university crafted a statement that was joint between Sean Miller and the University of Arizona where a lot of times you'll see university distance themselves from a coach or a situation, 
But that hasn't been the case here. And, and so we'll see how this plays out. But, again, it's a report. I take it for what it is, but I also don't take it as the final word until we get all the facts from all, all parties involved. I'm sure the school will find some clarity with Miller's immediate future with the team um, concerning their last two games of the regular season and their Pac-12 tournament aspirations, their NCAA tournament aspirations. But as it stands right now, Roxy, how do you think this Sean Miller situation affects the Wildcats? The fact that they're the only top 25 ranked team in the conference right now that they are still as of now the top seed with home games pending against Stanford and Cal they don't have Alonzo Trier and the their best player the guy at the center of all this investigative work DeAndre Ayton seems like he's still handling handling himself pretty well do you think that this um, overall distraction will hinder Arizona's chances of reaching their ceiling it, it it's it's hard to say to be honest with you, and because, look, there is no playbook for how to deal with a situation like this. Yeah. And so Arizona, I, I, they have to adapt the mentality of the, it's us against the world, and that's the way they have to approach it because all they got is each other. And you look at the way DeAndre Ayton came out against the Ducks last Saturday night, I was so impressed by with how he handled himself, he carried himself, uh, and then with the emotion, he went out and played as, as brilliantly as somebody could play and, and give it all the scrutiny in the circumstance he was in. And for Arizona, even coming out of that game, yes, they lost it, but I think they thought to feel pretty good about themselves considering with what it had transpired the previous 24 hours. They didn't have their coach. They didn't have Alonzo Trier. And they went to overtime and just – you know, couldn't find a way to get it done. But give Oregon credit, they found a way to win the game. So now the Cats go home. They're going to try to regroup. they got Stanford tomorrow night. they got Cal on Saturday before they head to Vegas. And to me, they're still the team to beat. Even if Alonzo Trier is not available to them, I still think they are the team to beat. But I think it, it, it gives everybody a better opportunity if Alonzo Trier is still out and they still do not have Sean Miller. If Arizona is the number one team to beat, and I think that, you know, I'd have to agree with you there, even with everything that's been going on with their program. Who would you say is the second team to beat in the conference here in the final week of the regular season and with Vegas coming up next week? And is it USC, a team that's just a half game behind the Wildcats, but just obviously lost Betty Boatwright for the year? And Chemezi Metu, one of their best players, is at the center of this investigation as well. Do you handicap the Trojans as being the number two power ranked team right now, or is there someone else that you're looking at? I, you know what, this this tournament is going to be nuts. Yeah, because it is so wide open. It's probably the most wide open we've seen a Pac-10 slash 12 tournament, just because of the uncertainties at the top and. The depth of this league, okay, the league, as we know, it's not great this year. It's not bad. But there there are legitimately, what, probably seven, eight teams, I, I could say, that could, could stay claim to having an opportunity to win. And, okay, Arizona's a team to beat. You look at the way that ASU has played from time to time this year for three days, and for them, they're going to actually have would have to do it over four days considering – 
how far how far they are down in the standings. And as of right now, they are an NCAA tournament team. Um, USC, I think they answered a lot of questions last weekend by sweeping the mountain trip without Benny Boatwright. That shows that you know what they they can win without him. Um, UCLA is going to be a desperate team. They're coming off a bad weekend. Uh, But the way Oregon's playing right now, and who wants to see Oregon on the other side of the court right now considering the way the Ducks have played here in the second half of the season? And and for Dane Altman, he's had to reinvent his program this year because of only one starter back from the team that went to the Final Four, but they're playing good ball right now here at the end of the day. So, yeah, I think this is a team also in Oregon that's a dangerous team heading into Vegas in the Pac-12 tournament. Well, and and on that note, Roxy, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion this week on what does Oregon have to do to slide into the top four and get that by into the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament. But I guess there there has to be a counter argument to the fact that there's since there is so much parity and the matchups are so even, particularly this year in the Pac-12. I mean, what advantage is there in being in the top four aside from the fact that yeah, you you get an extra day to rest. You do, and we've only seen it one time where a team won four games in four days. That was Colorado, their first year in the league when it became the Pac-12. And that makes it certainly challenging in trying to win four games in four days. So it's paramount for teams to stay in the top four to get that buy into the quarterfinals, in which Arizona already is and USC is there. But there's opportunities for other teams to lock it down. And heading into Vegas, that it gives you such an advantage. If you get that bye on Wednesday, then only have to play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as opposed to have that fourth game, try to win four games in four days. So on that, Oregon, to get a top-four seed, would need USC to beat UCLA Saturday night. They would also need Stanford to lose at Arizona and lose at Arizona State, and the Ducks themselves would have to go 2-0. and this week do you think that scenario is is even a little bit likely (laughs) it's possible let's face it anything is possible the way this league (laughs) has played out this year so when you look at oregon and you can't worry about the game against washington because you got to play the game against washington state first and that's what has to happen you got to win that game tomorrow night before you can even think about the huskies which have been a very good home team so far this year um I think you got to give USC the advantage over UCLA. They're at home. But, as we know, you can take nothing for granted this year in the league. And Stanford's a team that's interesting to me because the Cardinal, I expected a lot from them this year. And they had all the injuries they were dealing with early in the year. And then they got their act together. They've looked great at times. So this, is, this also, like Oregon, I think is a dangerous team heading into Las Vegas. You've got the call of Washington, Oregon State, Thursday night on ESPN2. A lot of buzz around Mike Hopkins for being a possible uh, Coach of the Year candidate in the Pac-12. Are you on that side as well, given what uh, what he's done in his first season in Seattle? Yeah, hands down. To me, he is the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. And take nothing away from some of the other coaches who, who've done really good jobs this year. But to me, he's the guy where Washington was picked what the Huskies did last year coming off a nine-win season, and you lose Markel Fultz. And you also had essentially 
the majority of your recruiting class disintegrate with Lorenzo Romar getting fired and then Michael Porter Jr., who was signed to go to Washington, who then wanted out of his letter of intent and went to Missouri. So what Mike Hopkins was able to do to salvage what was left of that class and get this group to buy in has been extremely impressive, and to me, he is the Pac-12 coach of the year. You get the Beavers twice this week. I know Oregon State is in the bottom third, but uh, you know, given you know you've you've called a lot of the Beaver games in the past, and you get them twice more. What do you see in Wayne Tinkle and his program? Well, I, I see a team that is playing hard, and they may be playing their best basketball of the year right now. Um, and they're they're a group that certainly had the injury ravaged season last year, and this year. It's been difficult because you're counting on a guy like Ja'Cory McLaughlin to be your point guard, and then he decides to leave and transfer, and that changes the dynamic of the team because they're really operating without a true point guard. And even though, okay, you're getting some solid contributions from Seth Berger, keep in mind this is still a young team where Eubanks is a junior, Stevie Thompson Jr. is a junior. You have Trey Sinkle who's a third-year sophomore. And there is a lot of experience there, but this is a group that's also going to come back next year. And I think Oregon State could use this end of the season as a springboard in the next year. Thursday night, 8 p.m., Washington, Oregon State, ESPN2. Roxy also has the call Saturday when the Beavers go up to the Palouse and take on Ernie Kent and Washington State. And uh, Roxy, I'm sure you'll have a lot of responsibilities going into next week in Vegas when the Pac-12 tournament rolls around. You've been very generous with your time, and uh, best of luck alongside the one and only William Walton tomorrow night. <laughs> Thank you very much, and I need the luck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, Roxy. Thanks. You got it.